You're listening to You've Been Hanked, hosted by Hank Griffin, writer, man of faith, Parkinson's warrior, traveling man, and storyteller. Wonderful stories, home cooking, thoughtful lessons, and candor about life with Parkinson's are his to share. Relax for the next several minutes with your friend, neighbor, and brother who loves you. Beyond the bedroom walls through an open window to the outside, the greater world could be heard. Cattle bawled, a lone dog barked in the distance, birds sang and chirped, a gentle wind caressed honeysuckle blossoms of white and cream, the welcome smell of it entered the room, an airplane flew high overhead, now fully awake, the boy enjoyed playing a while. The sounds of the outside world became less important as he considered things of more immediate interest. His diaper needed changing. The beginning of hunger made itself known. Down from the bed and onto the cool hardwood floor, the little feller stepped from his room and into the hallway. Though daylight, a quiet dim filled the house. No electric light lit the way. No sound issued from television or record player. The house was quiet, much too quiet. Mama? The word reverberated from the wood floor, drywall, and ceiling. The little boy's hands began to tremble, his lip to quiver. He looked in the room nearest his own, his mother's bedroom, his father's too, though he had few memories of a man so rarely seen. Empty. Though afraid of the dark, the boy turned from his parents' bedroom back to the darkened hallway. Dim light filtered in on each end, his room on one end and the front room on the other. These lit ends seemed distant. No other light showed the path between them. Tears fell from the baby's eyes. He shook. Though fearful, he remembered the words of his mother. When you're afraid, you should pray. God will keep you safe. The boy folded his arms and prayed a simple prayer. I'm scared. In the front room, the curtains were drawn tight over the windows. Mama was not there. Nor could she be found in the kitchen. She was not in the house. Maybe she's outside. The heavy wood front door proved challenging to open for the toddler. After some trial and error, and with an effort of strength, he managed to turn the knob and pull the door open. The boy was pleased that he'd managed to open it, pass through the door, the screen door, and on to the concrete steps beyond. The screen door spring pulled it closed. It bounced and sounded whap, whap, whap. Standing at the top of the concrete steps that led down to the grass wearing only a diaper, the boy's feet soon felt the heat and were burned. He cried from the pain. Mama, he cried. There was no answer. Mama, Mama. The child cried again, louder this time. Still, no answer. The heat became too much. Those hot steps were more than three feet high, higher than the boy was tall. He stepped down one step at a time, each step hotter than the one before it. From the bottom step, he finally stepped from concrete onto grass. No rain had fallen for a long time. The grass was not lushed, soft, or green. Rather, it was dry, brown, and brittle. When the baby's bare feet stepped upon it, the grass poked them. The boy looked for his mother. 
Each time he brought his foot down onto the brittle brown grass, it crunched, and he stepped, listening crunch. He stepped again, crunch, and again, crunch. The little feller looked for his mother. He looked in the front yard, crunch, crunch, in the backyard, crunch, and around the shed, but couldn't find her. Upon returning to the front yard, he observed something that had previously escaped him. The driveway was empty. Mama's not here. Finally, he understood that he was alone and wept in earnest. The toddler dared not go back into the dark, lonesome house. Another walk on the steps was impossible. The hot East Texas sun, the same sun that heated the concrete steps, began to burn the baby's skin. He was dressed only in a diaper, an increasingly wet and uncomfortable diaper. His arms and face began to redden from the heat. As a matter of instinct, the baby sought cover from the sun, shuffling over the brittle brown grass across the hot gravel of the driveway and more grass to the property line beside the dirt road that ran in front of the white house that he and his family lived in. On the side of that little-used dirt road stood a very few small trees thickly grown over with honeysuckle vines. Recently, while playing outside with his mother, the boy discovered a comfortable hollow in the vines. It was a perfect hiding place. He made his way there. Honeysuckle vines wrapped and tangled over anything they could get a hold of. Trees and saplings, part of a stone wall long forgotten, and rotting wooden fence posts made a foundation for a magnificent display of green leaves and beautiful blossoms. Each spring, a prodigious number of those cream-colored and white blossoms and their fragrance delighted all who beheld the display. He parted the opening of his hiding place, passed through the veil of blossom-laden vines, and entered the inner chamber. Long ago, four old logs fell in such a way as to form a convenient bench with a tripod cover. The vines grew over and around them, and a hollow was created. The boy set his wet and now dirty diaper squished as he did so. His tear-stained face, sweaty torso, and the tops of his little feet were now definitely red from exposure to the burning sun. The bottoms of his feet were burned from standing on the hot concrete steps. The child's stomach ached with hunger. Thirst dried his mouth. In the shade of a shelter, the child escaped the sun, a cooling breeze, blew through vine leaf and bloom alive with a sweet honeysuckle fragrance. Though safe from the roasting sun, the little feller was still exposed, hungry, thirsty, alone, afraid, and didn't know what else to do but hide and wait for his mother's return. He remained still in his hiding place, like a new calf lying in the grass, hidden from predators while his mother fed a little way off. But the boy's mother was not feeding nearby. She was gone, and the baby was left without comfort or protection. Hearing a noise, he looked through the honeysuckle for its source. Across the dirt road, he saw an old man on a rusted old tractor pulling a faded old shredder approaching an even older house. The old man, who the boy knew to be his great-uncle Carl, drove an Alice Chandler tractor reddish-orange with rust. He parked it beneath a shed ancient but sound, though barren of paint for many decades. The babe had often been warned to leave Uncle Carl alone. Don't you wander over there and bother him, he remembered his mother say. Eventually, 
Hunger, thirst, misery, and fear proved stronger than the admonition of an absent mother. The child rose from his log. He pushed through the back wall of his viney fortress, stepped onto the brittle brown grass that lined the side of the road, and then onto the dirt road itself. The heat, too, too hot. Fresh tears streaked the boy's dirty face as he made the few steps across the dirt road and stepped gratefully upon the grass strip that ran through the middle of it. The toddler knew that it would hurt to step off the strip of grass and onto the dirt again, but the sun burned his skin and his tummy growled. Misery drove him on. Stepping from the grass onto the hot road, he hurried across to the inviting lawn on the far side. That grass, though brittle, and despite how it poked the child's burned feet, was a welcome change from the hell of the burning sand on the dirt road. The boy had never been to the home of his Uncle Carl. It was different, strange, and marvelous. The yard boasted thicker, fuller grass. There were flowers in his yard. Trees, great with age, provided shade for the house in stark contrast to the treeless yard of the White House behind him. Crepe myrtle trees bloomed red and pink, cottonwood cedar, persimmon, and pecan trees populated the yard around the home. Honeysuckle overgrew the fence line, and a strange dome-shaped bush, unlike any honeysuckle the boy had seen before. It was an island of green leaves and lovely blossoms rising from a sea of Bermuda grass, beautiful, unique. A large white propane tank with a blue lid stood next to an old water well. Over the well, Wooden posts held aloft a pulley and rope with a long, narrow water bucket. The house itself showed faded evidence that paint had once graced its wood siding, though not in a generation. A covered porch ran the length of the front of the house and was held up by great wood pillars. The old house was roofed in rusty corrugated tin. A brick chimney rose from the middle of it. Several lightning rods reached heavenward from the top of the house. From each rod, a large twisted metal ground ran along ridges fastened by brackets and disappeared into the good earth. The boy, standing at the edge of the old man's lawn, took it all in, then toddled in the direction of the front porch. He walked over the much thicker but still brittle, water-starved brown grass, marveling at the variety of flowers that grew from bulbs, blue, white, pink, and yellow. Amazed, he stood next to and stared up at an ancient cedar that towered above him, the thick trunk several feet around, bore a tremendous bulge, as if a scar from long ago high from the ground. The child marveled at the sight. With only a dozen feet between him and the porch, he stepped out to close the gap and cried out with new pain in his right foot. It hurt so that he leapt to get away from it. When the child came down, pain stabbed both of his feet. This pain, on top of everything else that had occurred in the morning, was too much. Though only steps from his destination, the baby could go no farther. Defeated, he sat upon the drought-stricken grass and wailed his misery, now increased by still more pain, terrible, terrible pain, similar to that in both of his feet, but now also in the backs of his little legs. It was just too much for the little toddler. Uncle Carl sat on his dusty, thread-bared old couch drinking hot coffee from a blue cup. He'd spent the morning shredding pasture before the heat of the day arrived and was glad of the rest. The old man sat the cup down on a metal TV tray, laid his head on the back of the couch, and closed his eyes. 
A scream brought Carl around. He stood up and looked to see where it came from, more screaming, and the old man was startled to realize it came from his own front yard. He looked out from the screen door and saw the crying toddler sitting in the grass and wondered at the sight of it. Where is his mother, he thought. Carl looked around. She was nowhere to be seen. He looked across the road. Her car was not in the driveway. The old man grew alarmed. He hurried from the porch to the child, picked him up, and carried him inside the house. The state of the baby shocked the old man. Dirt covered the boy. On his face it mingled with tears to make mud. The same was true around his waist and the tops of his legs where the dirt met his dripping wet and soiled diaper. He was sunburned all over. The bottoms of his feet were burned and full of sandburrs, as were the backs of his little legs. It's okay, little feller, he said. You're going to be okay. Let's get you cleaned up. Overcome, the boy had no words, only tears. The old man began removing the sandburrs. He knew they would hurt both going in and coming out. With each bird the old man pulled out, the boy screamed and struggled to get away. I know it hurts. I know, Carl said. But we have to get them out so it'll stop hurting. Having pulled the burrs from the backs of each little leg, the old man began removing them from his feet, hating to see the child in this state. His heart was softened to the boy's suffering, and tears came to his old blue eyes. Don't cry. We're going to get you all fixed up, Carl assured the boy. Once the sandbars were gone, Carl retrieved a bucket of rainwater, a washcloth, and a towel. He took the filthy, dripping diaper off the boy. Let's get you cleaned up, the old man said. As feelings of safety began to return, screams faded to tears, punctuated by occasional sharp intakes of breath. Carl paid gentle, careful attention to the child, smiling and talking in a quiet voice as he ministered to him. That's the way. That's how we do it. Isn't that better? Almost done, he said. The boy's quiet sobbing subsided. There were still tears in his eyes, but they didn't run down his now clean face. I don't have any diapers or clothes that'll fit you, Uncle Carl said. The old man fetched a terry cloth towel. He folded it, wrapped it around the boy in a way that preserved his modesty and secured it with a pair of large safety pins. There we go. Now let's have a look at your feet. He arranged an old quilt on the dusty carpet and laid the terry cloth clad child upon the quilt. The boy accepted this without resistance. Carl hated the sight of the baby swollen and burned little feet. No blisters. That's good, he said. Carl stood and turned to face his old wooden dresser. The top of the dresser served to store his few medical supplies, band-aids, gauze, iodine, petroleum jelly, vapo-rub, and a small bottle of rubbing alcohol, some aspirin. He took the petroleum jelly and a roll of gauze and looked up. In the old and faded mirror atop the dresser, Carl looked at the old man reflected back to him. Good heavens, what's happened to you? He thought. Turning back to the little boy, he said, Let's see those feet. This'll make them better. He removed the metal lid from the glass jar, dipped his fingers into it, and gentle with the boy's tender feet, applied the ointment to both and wrapped them with gauze. Are you hungry? Would you like something to eat and drink? Uncle Carl asked. The boy nodded. Carl picked him up and carried him from the front room into the kitchen. You sit here while I fix you a sandwich, he said. Looking around him, the boy sat as he'd been told. A single 
bare light bulb hung from a long wire sprouting from the ceiling. Three windows looked on the world outside, one each facing north, west, and south. The kitchen table was made of a cast-off countertop affixed to an old treadle sewing machine base. A sink, one that someone long ago decided was of no use in their bathroom, set on a base of old repurposed boards hammered together by the old man. A black pipe ran from the drain through a hole cut in the floor and out into the yard. A large, heavy-built hutch housed the old man's few dishes and meager flatware. An old second-hand gas stove provided a means to cook. On the table, near where the child sat, a two-gallon bucket held drinking water and a metal dipper. The water was harvested rainwater that ran off the tin roof any time a storm blew over. There was no plumbing to the house. The boy watched without making a sound as the old man lit the oven and a burner on top of the stove. Uncle Carl fried a thick slice of bologna in a cast-iron skillet. As it cooked, he spread mayonnaise on two slices of Mrs. Baird's bread. When the bologna was finished frying, he removed it from the popping skillet, shut off the fire, laid the meat on the bread, covered it with a slice of American cheese, and sprinkled just a little salt and black pepper on it before covering it with the second slice of bread. When it was complete, he placed the sandwich into the oven to warm. As it did so, the old man mixed Kool-Aid in a green glass pitcher. I bet you're thirsty, he said. The boy nodded. Drink that good cold Kool-Aid and you'll feel better, Uncle Carl said. The child took the glass tumbler in his hands, raised it to his lips, and drank. The drink was cold, wet, sweet, and delicious. Uncle Carl sat in the only other chair in the room, wooden, with a rope bottom. As the minutes passed, the boy and the man regarded one another. Neither spoke. Neither knew what to say. They sat in the quiet, each looking at the other, both surprised by recent events, each a little unsure as to how to act. Carl rose from his seat, took the now lightly toasted sandwich from the old gas oven, cut it into fourths, plated it, and set it on the table in front of the child. Under normal circumstances, the boy would have certainly declined to eat such a sandwich, but these were not normal circumstances. He ate the whole thing, one-fourth at a time. Carl watched and felt his heart grow warm. When the meal was finished, he saw the boy's fatigue. Let's go back into the front room and wait for your mother. It was the best sandwich I ever ate. Much love, Hank. You've been hanked. Thanks for listening to You've Been Hanked. If you enjoyed today's episode, do us a favor. Like, share, subscribe, and comment. It's easy and really makes a difference. Please help Hank help others by increasing the reach of You've Been Hanked.